want to use verses 10 through 13 tonight, and then the, actually the last part is verse 14 through the end of the chapter. Um, they kind of go together, and so we'll look at this one uh, tonight. Um, church family, let's go ahead and pray and ask the Lord's blessing, and we'll run, uh, walk through this tonight. Father, thank you again for letting us be in service tonight. Lord, thank you for the kids singing. What a joy that is. And Lord, thank you for the opportunity to sing to you and about you. Lord, thank you again for how good you are to us. Father, would you again please open up our eyes of understanding, give us wisdom beyond our years. And Lord, thank you for what you give us in the book of Philippians uh, by the pen of Paul. And Lord, may we again uh, make application tonight to our lives. Lord, bless uh, each and every one that's here, some that couldn't be here tonight. And Lord, again, if there's ever one in the service, draw them to you if they're not saved. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Church family, in Philippians chapter 4, <clears throat> sometimes, uh, I, if I, I just if I can take a moment, the context tells really the thought tonight. Because when you look at verses 10 through 13, um, I have often, and it does, and it's not wrong, but I've often preached this as a missions message. And Lord permitting, next week I'm going to, you can't get away from Philippians chapter 4 talking about missions as far as the church at Philippi giving to Apostle Paul, who was the missionary. But really, in context, what Paul was really dealing with is that there were people at the Church of Philippi that were going through a rough time in their life, and they were struggling. And the reason I know that is if you follow the verses, he makes several statements trying to encourage them. For instance, in verse number one, he said, stand fast in the Lord. In verse number four, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. In verse number six, he said, be careful for nothing. I mean, he, in, in verse number seven, the peace of God, which passeth all understanding. He walks through this chapter because he knows they're going through a rough time. Uh, and you say, well, what, what was the church at Philippi going through that was so rough? Well, I think it's a combination of things. Number one, they're getting a letter from Apostle Paul who's in prison. And Apostle Paul and their relationship was a very close one. And so obviously they, they had that going on. In chapter 1, verse 28, it talks about the adversaries that they were dealing with in their life. And chapter number 2 and verse number 3, Paul's addressing the strife that was going on with some of the members of the church there. In chapter 2, verse 25 through 27, Epaphroditus, who was the messenger from Philippi, was, was near to death, the Bible says. In chapter number 3, verse 18 and 19, Apostle Paul addresses the enemies of the cross. So there were things that were heavy upon the church of Philippi as far as on their heart. And Paul comes to this last chapter, as we would call it, this last chapter, end of the letter. And he says, hey, listen, I want to encourage you from a personal standpoint that you can still be content with the Christian life. Now let's look at verse number 10 through 13, and here's the thought tonight. He says in verse 10, But I rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, or want meaning lack, not in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be, what's the word? All right, so really, in these verses, Paul's talking about being content. The word content, the idea of being satisfied uh, with life, satisfied with what's going on in your life. Now, the broad spectrum tonight of people and a broad spectrum of circumstances that are going on in a person's life, uh, sickness and, and death and, of course, uh, financial difficulties and all kinds of things that we look at our lives and say, how can I be content? How can I be satisfied with what's going on in my life? And I think that Apostle Paul, in verses 10 through 13, by the way, 10 personal pronouns in verses 10 through 13. Paul says, I want to show you from my vantage point on how I can rejoice in the Lord, how I can stand fast for God, how I can be careful for nothing. In this chapter, as he closes out and he's talking to the church of Philippi, he uses himself as that example. Let's pick it up again and finish this in verse 12 and 13. He goes on to say, I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full 
and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. So what was Paul's secret of contentment? In other words, I can be content. Church, I mean, the day that we're living in today, because of America, we've been given so much. And yes, we might have some bills and some financial difficulties, but the truth of the matter is, we, we have it very good. And I think sometimes we are not satisfied. And it's almost like that phrase in the book of Proverbs where it talks about the eyes of man are never satisfied. And it's not just talking about in a physical or sensual way. The eyes of man are never satisfied. We always want to have more. And we seemingly are less content with what we do have. So Apostle Paul here in verses 10 through 13, I think he tells us the secret to being content. In other words, Church of Philippi, yes, you can make it. doesn't matter what kind of internal problems are going on with its, your, the congregation or what external problems are going on with the enemies of the cross. He says you can still have contentment in the Christian life. Now, look, let's look at these verses now. Verse number 10 is the first thing I see. He says in verse number 10, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Now, Church, I mean, can we really explain verse number 10? so that you understand what I'm about to tell you. I think Paul's secret to contentment here is, if I can say it first, is he knew that God was in control. We would use the phrase, the providence of God. And I get that from verse 10, because look at the verse again. Paul says, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. Why? That now at the last. Now, when we use those kind of phrases, now at the last, it's like it finally happened. He goes on to say, and now at the last, your care of me hath flourished again. Now he's talking to who here? He's talking to the church in Philippi. He says, listen, you, you sent once and again to meet my necessities. That's what this chapter says. And so they sent, Epaphroditus brings that gift to him uh, to carry on. He says, you've, you've not only done this once, it, you did it again. And in this sense, in Paul's statement, it's like it finally got here. It's like Paul had gone through a period of time where he didn't have things to meet his necessity. Let's read the verse to finish the reading the verse here. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly, and now that the last, your care of me hath flourished again. Wherein ye were careful, that word careful means worried or anxious, wherein ye also were also careful, but ye lacked what? Opportunity. Now, I'm not, I'm not reading into the verse tonight, I don't believe that at all, but here's what Paul was trying to say in verse number 10. He says, you sent to meet my need. It took a while to get here. And it's not because you didn't have concern. You were anxious. You were careful. It's just that you didn't have the opportunity to do it. Now, I don't know if the opportunity was they didn't have somebody, a messenger to go to Paul at Rome. I don't know what the reason was that they could not get a collection of things. But it wasn't a matter they weren't concerned about Apostle Paul. They didn't have an opportunity or an occasion to be able to make it happen. But Paul says, hey, I thank God that it did happen. Here's, so I, when I read verse number 10, here's what I gather from that. Apostle Paul knew that the reason it happened, I thank God greatly. I thank God that he allowed to happen what you wanted to happen, but it was in God's timing for it to happen. Can I just tell you that one of the secrets of contentment is to understand the providence of God, that God knows what's going to happen before it happens, whether bad or good. He knows if you're going to go through a trial in your life, a testing in your life. He knows if you're going to go through a blessing in your life. He knows if it's going to be a mountain or if it's going to be a valley. But when we talk about the foresight of God, the providence of God, it just means God foresees what's going to happen. Church family, we look at the yesterday as God looks at the future. He sees everything that's ever going to happen in our life. 
So I like, what, I like what Job said in the book of Job talking about the Lord. It says, for he performeth the thing that is appointed for me, and many such things are with him. That's Job 23, 14. In the same chapter, he says, but he knoweth the way that I take. Now, we use the whole verse. But he knoweth the way that I take, and when I am tried, I shall come forth as gold. But church, I mean, think about the first phrase. But he knoweth the way that I take. And listen, what's an accident to you is a foreknowledge of God. It's not like, okay, we, I can't believe this happened. So our accidents are his appointments. He knows exactly what's going to happen in our life. So guess what? I'm just trying to tell you the secret to Apostle Paul being content with sitting in a Roman jail and writing a letter to a church. The secret to Apostle Paul being content when there were times in his life he had much and times that he had little was the idea that God knows what he's doing. God knows what I need in my life. God's growing me, and I don't have to become bitter or upset in my life if I would just understand, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. God knows what he's doing. And that's what Paul's saying. Paul's saying the providence of God. I thank God greatly because he knew this was going to happen. I know we could go to several stories in the Bible, and I think one of the greatest stories is the story of Joseph. I like the story of Joseph. I don't know how you are when you're reading through your Bible and you get to the book of Genesis. It's like when I start reading the story of Joseph, I don't want to stop until Joseph is done. It's just one of those stories. You know, it's neat to follow the storyline and how, how Joseph and his brothers hate him and how he's thrown into a pit and how he's taken out of the pit and he's going on his way to Egypt and he's sold to Potiphar as a slave. And he then gets to him working for Potiphar as a slave and Potiphar's wife lies about him. He's put into prison. And he goes to prison and he's there for how many years, the Bible doesn't say, 13 years total from the time he's sold to the time he's governor. And then all of a sudden, he's in the palace and now he's the governor of Egypt. I like that story. The part of Joseph's story I like the greatest is when his brothers come. And he doesn't tell them, hey, I'm Joseph until later. I like that. I like that he put his brother in prison for all those time. I just enjoyed that. But can I just tell you that the unique thing about Joseph is when it gets to the time that he's, he's telling his brothers, hey, it's me, Joseph, in Genesis 45, he says this, so now it was not you that sent me hither, but God. Hey, in other words, you didn't put me here, God put me here, and he hath made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Why did that happen? The providence of God. Hey, listen, I think sometimes we blame self-inflicted problem or self-inflicted sin and we forget there's still the providence of God. Do you believe 1 John 1, 9? I do. I believe it every day of my life. Then I want to tell you something. Stop beating yourself up because of something you did wrong in the past. If the providence of God, and I've got the forgiveness of God, then there's still the providence of God in my life. He's trying to do something in my life. I don't want to miss it. You shouldn't want to miss it. I think sometimes what we do is we have this idea, well, you know, I made a bad decision or I did something wrong, so the rest of my life's a wreck. The rest of your life's not a wreck. That's the devil telling you that. The providence of God. You've got to get back that just because something goes wrong, it doesn't mean that this is punishment. It means that this is the providence of God. God knew this was going to take place in my life. And for whatever the reason, sometimes we don't know now, but sometimes God reveals himself later. And so can I just remind you that the part of the key to the contentment that Paul's trying to tell the church at Philippi, with all the problems going on, Paul's in prison, problems in the church, problems outside the church, let me just tell you, I thank God greatly. That even when you wanted to help me and you couldn't because you lacked opportunity, God let it come through right when it was supposed to. So the providence of God. Second of all, think about this, a, key to, a secret to contentment, being satisfied in life. This is interesting, these two verses go together, but look at verse number 11 and 12 with me. 
Not that I speak in respect of want and lack, for I learn, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Church, I, mean, I want to stop for just a second here. There's two things here, two words that are key, learned and, and content. In other words, he had to learn to be content, but he uses a word that I, that I want to really stress here, that the key to his commitment was contentment was that he learned from the state of life. Now, follow me for just a moment. Again, I, I'm not going to belabor the point tonight. There's only four verses. But do you understand that all of us have a state of life? Apostle Paul says, I have learned that in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. Listen to Brother Obscenic a few moments ago as far as tell those stories. And I've heard some of the other stories that, that just how the Lord's really, really blessed. I mean, God's done some miraculous things and not just financial. I mean, he's just done some really, really, really unique things. And, and to, be, to, to him also. But to me, it's undeniable that the timing of this church starting and the man that God's brought to start it, it's undeniable. This is God. This is not, a, this is not a, a Baptist church plan. This is the providence of God. But right now, Brother Obshendik is in, Sister Obshendik, they're in a state of life right now with this church that's starting. There's a lot of new things. It's like a husband and wife, they first get married, and there's a lot of new things that happen when you first get married. Uh, you know, I'm sorry, I know Alice, but tell me your name again. Caleb, Caleb. I'm sorry, Caleb. Caleb, what's your last name? Brown? Oh, I like it. It's easy. All righty. All right. So brother, brother, sister Brown just got married yesterday. All righty. So they're experiencing a lot of new things. Isn't it a wonderful thing to be able to come to a church service and put your arm around your wife? I bet you didn't get to do that before now, did you? I didn't think so. So there's a lot of new things that are going on for a couple when they first get married. It's a perpetual date. I mean, you get to be together for for everything and you get to go places together and then all of a sudden if the Lord allows children come along and life starts to change there and, but there's a lot of new things that happen same things happen with Brother Obshindic as far as this church plan there's a lot of wonderful things that are happening but let's face it just like marriage is going to have problems that church is going to have problems you say why in the world would they have problems because they have people <laughs> can I tell you there's a state of life Paul mentions two states and only two. It's in the very next verse, and he, he really hits it three times. In verse number 12, he says this. He says, I know both how to be, what's the word? Abased. That word abased means to depress or to bring low. I both know, know how to be abased, and I know how to, what's the word? The word abound there actually means to be in excess, to have more than I need. I know both how to, verse 1, 12 again, I know both how to be a base, to bring low, and I know how to abound, to have more, to have an excess, everywhere and in all things. I am instructed both to be, what's the word? Full and to be hungry, both to abound, which is the, to be in excess, and to suffer need. Now, church, I mean, what Paul was trying to say here is this, if you're going to be content in life, you have to learn the word learned is past tense, which means I had to experience these times of my life in order for me to be content. I had to go through periods of time in my life, Paul's saying this, I had to go through times in my life where I didn't have anything. And then I had to go through times in my life where I had everything. I had to go through the mountain. I had to go through the valley. I had to go through feast. I had to go through famine. I had to go through being full and I had to go through being hungry. 
You know, I think, I don't know how you are, and again, I feel like this, this next generation, that this generation growing up, and I, sometimes I, I, I probably seem like I harp on this next generation, it's spoiled. Seem like they have a lot. I mean, these couples that are starting to get married and they have a house full of furniture. My wife and I didn't have that. I just, it's hard for me to comprehend. And I know several other couples growing up in the, during that era, they didn't have that. When I was growing up, you didn't tell everybody, okay, here's the stores, stores I'm shopping at and here's the stuff I want. Go buy it for me. I won't get off on my hobby horse. <laughs> we were just grateful that people bought us stuff. Now, you keep doing your thing because that's the thing. This is the society we're living in. But we didn't do those kind of things. I mean, you didn't tell everybody what I want, what I want for Christmas and, and, you know, fill it out. And then if you looked on the chart and somebody else had it, you had to go buy something else. We didn't do those kind of things. So what, what has happened is Apostle Paul said, hey, I knew when I had a lot, I knew I didn't have anything. Listen, I look across the auditorium, there's many of you, you, re, you remember those days. They were states of life. Amen. Brother um, Kirkland Smith, because he worked construction and he worked for himself, and especially in those early days of heritage and him being here, he's in heaven now, but he would go through those feast and famine. Man, did I, Mrs. Smith, are you in here tonight, Mrs. Smith in here? Remember those feast and famines? Your husbands were so different, it was like so extreme. I mean, he didn't have, there was times he didn't have enough money to get, the only money, he, he didn't have any money, all the money he had to put in gas to get from Ottawa to here, and he knew that was the only tank of gas that he had. I mean, he went through feast and famine, and, but, he, but again, that's what Paul's trying to say here, is that if you're going to be content, you have to learn your states of life. You have to learn from those times of poverty and those times of prosperity. And by the way, I would say that prosperity is almost damage, more damaging than poverty. Because you get to a place in your life that you have and have and have, and you forget where it came from. It came from God. So if you're going to have contentment in your life, Paul says, I just want to tell you, I rejoice in the providence of God. He says, if you're going to have contentment in life, I'm going to tell you what the secret is. It's you have to learn from those states of life, those times of life when you didn't have much. I t I've told my kids more than once that because we didn't have kids for, for later in life, I mean, as far as our starting to have children, adoption at seven and a half, started to have the first child at 12 years of marriage, after 12 years of marriage, that my wife and I are older, that if we were younger, there's things that my kids get to enjoy now just because we're, we're old. <laughs> this year was 32 years, right? Am I correct on that? They married 32 years. And so our kids that are growing up in our home get to enjoy, obviously, the blessing that comes from you to, their, to your pastor, but because of my age, they get to enjoy things that the, a, young, a, young, a younger uh, couple couldn't do. But this is a state of life. There's states of our life. He says, you need to learn from those. Learn from them. That's where contentment comes. Hey, by the way, some people don't learn from their states of life and they try to get away from the state of life. For instance, you're at a state of life where you're first getting married or you're first starting to have children and you barely have enough money to survive. And so what happens is instead of learning from that state of life, you go put everything on a credit card. It's not smart. That's a loan. It's not money. Paul says if you're going to be content, 
You need to rejoice in the providence of God. God knows what he's doing in your life. He says if you're going to be content, you need to learn from the state of life that you're in right now. Last of all, quickly, and it's an obvious one in verse number 13. If you're going to be content, verse 13, he says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. You must remember that what you're able to do is through Christ. And that's not something, it's all things. It's all things. Our strength comes from Christ. He, the word strengtheneth means to empower or to enable us. So my contentment comes from that. Can I, can I just tell you that sometimes as Christians, if we're not careful, we're like the thermostats on the walls. There's thermostats on these walls here and there's one up here. The difference between a thermometer and a thermostat is a, thermo, a thermometer just gauges what the temperature is. A thermostat does something. A thermostat finds out what the temperature is and if it's not the right temperature, it turns a heater on or an air conditioner on and it causes something to happen. Can I tell you, when it comes to our states of life, you, you shouldn't use a thermometer. Oh, I guess this is happening. Yes, the providence of God. But what's God trying to do in your life in that state of life? You need to be the thermostat. There needs to be a reaction and find out what God's will is for my life. But I can still be content in the midst of all that. So tonight, really, the thought is, I think, is Apostle Paul. Paul's sitting in a Roman jail, and as he writes his letter, and he, and he says, listen, I know you guys are going through a rough time, but I'm just trying to tell you, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. He says in verse number six, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be known unto God. He tells him in verse number, verse number eight, he says, finally, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are lovely. What does he say? Think on these things. He's going through all these things to help encouraging them. And then he, then he uses himself as an example. And he says, listen, I just want to tell you, I'm, I thank God greatly. The providence of God, of what he did by getting your gift to here at this particular time in my life. I just want to tell you, we got a great God. He says, not, he says, not only that, he says, I have learned that in whatsoever state I am, I am to be content. Whether I have a little or I have a lot, I've learned from, from the times I had nothing. And I've learned from the times I've had something. And I've learned and I've taken what God's given me so that I can be content and unsatisfied in either one. And he says, last of all, in verse number 13, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. You know how you can be content? There's still a God in heaven. You know how you can be content? He's the one that's going to enable you to make it through what you're going through. Pastor, I just don't know, I, I just don't know if I can make it. I just don't know if I can. I, I, just can't, I just can't do it. I can do all things through Christ. All things means all things. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens and he enables me and empowers me. I can make it in the Christian life. Just have you ever thought if you were a lost person? If you were a lost person and had no Holy Spirit of God, the Bible, the Bible says that the natural man, he cannot discern the word of God. Can you imagine if you were lost? You would have no comfort, no peace, no joy. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. All of the things that comes with being a Spirit-filled Christian. I would not get to enjoy any of that. I can make it. Why? Because I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Paul says the key to contentment is stop relying upon yourself. Remember it's God. What did he say in the book of Timothy when Paul wrote Timothy? He says, godliness with contentment is great gain. Just what I want to tell you in the Christian life, it's just a wonderful thing to realize that you're saved, your name's written in heaven, and God allows you to live this amount of time upon earth, whether it's as far as the family that you have or the job that you have or the church ministries you have, that God allows us to be a part of his plan. Hey, listen, don't miss out on that. Don't allow the devil get you discouraged, so discouraged in your life because of health or sickness or a circumstance that you're always under the circumstance. Hey, listen, God knows what's gonna happen and he knew it was gonna happen before you knew it was gonna happen. Right. And whatever that state is, you can be content and learn from it. Learn from the state that you're in. And then just say to yourself, hey, the reason I can be so confident is because I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. 
That's where contentment's going to come from. Would you bow your head and close your eyes tonight?